He's controversial. 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, he's outspoken. You will tell your kids, and your grandkids, and your great, great grandkids. And he tells it like it is. That you watched a great athlete named the franchise, and he was the greatest world heavyweight champion of all time. He is the franchise Shane Douglas, and you are listening to the Triple Threat Podcast. Prepare to get your ass franchised. Triple Threat Podcast being brought to you today on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire by our brand new sponsor, Blue Chew and BlueChew.com, and more about them in just one second, but I want to welcome in very, very quickly to this show our co-host who we've missed for the last few weeks. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only JP, but folks, he's back from Australia He's back on the airwaves, back here for episode number 64, the franchise, Shane Douglas, as I live and breathe, is back on the Triple Threat Podcast. Still alive and kicking much to the chagrin of a certain Irishman, but uh, back from Australia, great tour, uh, had a great time, but I really did honestly miss you guys and missed our talk. I, I was getting a ton of stuff, you know, as, as much as I could get online, which wasn't much over there, uh, we were on the move so much, but I was getting a lot of uh, stuff on Twitter and stuff from fans saying they, they were missing, you know, having me on the podcast. And it made me feel a little good of but nice little respite, but glad to be back and ready to hit the ground running. Oh, absolutely. And just in time for, like I said, our brand new sponsor to the show, BlueChew.com. And guys, if you're looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds, then get on over to BlueChew.com because BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. So check this out. They've got the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, 
So you know that they work. And since they're chewables, they'll work faster than a pill. And you can take them at any time, day or night, even on a full stomach. And this stuff is cheaper than the other two. So that's obviously an absolute no-brainer. Plus, you don't want to go to the doctor's office. You don't want to spend time waiting in the pharmacy because Blue Chew ships straight to your door in discreet packaging, which... I mean, let's be honest, folks, discreet, discreet packaging when it comes to something like this could be a little sensitive. So you want to get over to BlueChew.com, and here's a great deal for you guys. When you visit BlueChew.com, you're going to get your very first shipment free when what, Shane? I'm going to hand it over to you, Shane. What are we going to do so we can get a very special promo here with the Triple Threat Podcast? Well, if they, if they go right now and use the uh, special code word franchise, that scratches a – why does that sound familiar? Special code word franchise. We're going to get a great special deal from our new partners uh, for the tryout at home, nice and discreetly. And hey, who knows what love may come. <laughs> You're going to pay just $5 shipping. Again, it's bluechew.com, B L U E chew.com with the promo code franchise and pay just $5 shipping. It'll give you the confidence you want in the bedroom. It's the first chewable. And folks, listen, this is something obviously a lot of people, uh, they're, they're going to take advantage of this. So go to BlueChew.com for the promo code franchise for $5 shipping and more to come from BlueChew in the next couple of weeks here on the Triple Threat Podcast. So welcome to the crew at BlueChew. But Shane, you're back from Australia. We are so thrilled to get you back in the fold. We were going through some franchise withdrawals, if you will, but... <laughs> How about this? To fill in the time for episodes number 62 and 63, we went into the franchise uh, history and we dug out Francine and Mikey Whipwreck, who did an absolutely stellar job filling in for you. And we want to thank both Francine and Mikey, especially Francine, who did volunteer to come back for the second week. But we had Mikey all lined up and uh, we just thanked them so much for coming on and, and filling in. And we had a lot of laughs. and had a lot of great chats and we talked about the franchise a little bit. So uh, we definitely missed you, but it was great having two of your friends fill in for you like that. Uh, my ears were burning when I was in Australia. I wondered why. I thought it was maybe the sun, but you know, look, it's, uh, you know, I can't think of you know anybody more appropriate uh, than, than to have fellow ECWers on with us, right? I mean, you know, Francine obviously being the queen of extreme, perfect fill-in, and Mikey, you know, the the, uh, the who knew champion, right? I mean, the guy that came out of no place, all mainstays in ECW. Part of what made ECW so special for that seven years that we were there. Uh, I'm excited. I haven't had a chance. You know, as I told you before, we went on the air. I've been running my ass off since I've returned, uh, just catching up with life uh getting back into the country but i can't wait to go back i'm gonna try tomorrow to get back and listen to the archive because uh, i'm sure both of them did fantastic it was a ton of fun i mean with mikey you know everything is hilarious and he finds a way to make uh he, he really finds a way to make something light of everything that you bring up and every kind of story has like a comedic twist to it and he's just uh he's a, he's a natural funny man whether he likes to uh admit it or not but uh, Francine, again, you know, she was another one, just, she was ready and willing to go, you know, no topic off limits. And we're going to talk about what Francine had to kind of, uh, share with us that night we had her on two weeks ago. Um, and still, uh, some of the, I don't know, some of the things she said kind of resonating even now, kind of shocking me that, uh, there hasn't been a little bit of a microscope on what she talked about, but I also want to bring up too, 
you know, we've got this great new promotion with Blue Chew, but we also still have our great relationship blossoming with Figures Toy Company, and we're going to be rolling yeah. out the second promotion in the Figures Toy Company relationship, and I'm going to reveal it right now. No, uh, you know, no smoke and mirrors. We're going to be giving away an action figure of Tamatanga of New Japan fame, who obviously the son of Haku, who might have one. Yeah. He might Shane. I mean, your your figure is great, but the details on the Tamatanga figure with his face paint, his beard, the hair. It is off the charts unbelievable, and we are going to be giving away a Tamatanga figure in two weeks on this show. So you're going to follow the hashtag FranchiseFTC one more time, but this time we're going to switch it up. You're going to have to follow our page. You're going to have to follow the Figures Toy Company page, and then retweet the tweet to uh, make sure you get in on the action. But we're going to be giving away the second figure in this Figures Toy Company uh, promotion we've got. So uh, a lot of uh, triple threat podcast business going on, Shane, while you, uh, you've you been down under. As the economy is booming, right, we're, uh, we're the, uh, the franchise podcast, triple threat podcast is taking full advantage of the boom. But look, I'll, I'll kidding aside, the Tomatonga uh, line, we, everybody here that's listening to this podcast knows uh, the respect and the love that I have for, for Haku uh, for what he taught me and, and just for the guy that he is. Uh, now that his kids are in the business, uh, I, I'd spoken to, to uh, Haku about as he was training them and getting them ready to go. And now we've seen the impact that they've had on the industry in New Japan and elsewhere. Uh, keep in mind for the fans that this is a, a, a much bigger deal than you may think initially because this is the first action figure Tomatonga's ever had. Uh, I've got to believe that someplace down the road, there's going to be some significance to that. So the fact that you're going to be able to get one here by simply retweeting and following, that's a real easy thing to do. And, uh, hey, you know, I'm sure if you go out and catch uh, Tomatonga, Haku, or any of those guys at any show, they'll be more than happy to autograph that for you. So make sure you tune in and pay attention and follow along and follow the directions as they're listed here uh, by our wizards uh, here on the, on the podcast, JP and, and, and the Chadster. Just simply retweet it and follow along with the uh, figures toy uh, figure company and with the triple threat friend, uh, triple threat podcast site. And you're going to be entered in and have a chance to get in that action figure. So big dealings going on. Uh, uh, all thanks to you guys big enough because I've been busy in a way. So uh, good to see that the elves have been working while the, while the, uh, while the uh, St. Nicholas was gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were working overtime. That's for damn sure. But I want to welcome in, JP, the, uh, the the master blaster here behind the scenes of the two-man power trip and the Triple Threat Podcast. Now, Shane, I don't know if you know this, but we actually had Tomatonga's first United States interview three years ago on the two-man power trip. It was the fir- yeah, his first ever United States interview. Uh, and to think that he's gone on to do what he's doing now is, uh, is pretty awesome. But, John, I know you're a huge New Japan fan. And you're a huge uh, action figure enthusiast as well. So what's it mean to have a guy like Tomatonga gracing an action figure line like the rising stars of professional wrestling? I've always been a big fan of him for a while. Just obviously the Haku connection, the Bullet Club connection, the New Japan connection. I always was a fan. always had my eye on him. Always saw big things coming from him. And then you throw in the connection that he was interviewed by us. We technically did his first ever interview here in the States. So that kind of threw it in a little bit. Kind of makes me like him even more. Have a little bit of a a connection with him. So it's awesome that we get to give away his highly detailed and amazing figure 
from the Figures Toy Company. Plus, plus, it's a great thing that he is now the leader of the firing squad, if you will, of the Bullet Club. So that's really cool as well. And then when you think about him, and then you think about Haku, and you think about the connection with Shane, I think it all comes together pretty nicely. I think it's like uh, pretty cool um, to see not only that kind of connection, you see Tom Tonga rise to the ranks, become a little bit more self-confident, become a little bit more popular, get that action figure for that. And then uh, we get to give it away here, uh, part of the show. And uh, Shane can talk about how um, Haku jobs with him like seven times in a row at MSG. <laughs> hey, Fig, you're going to get me killed. What are you trying to do? <laughs> it, 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 it does come full circle. But, I mean, let's give a little kudos here to uh, the figures action, uh, the figures toy company, right? I mean, you know, you know, typically it took me a long time to get an action figure. The fact that they're going out and actively searching for these stars of tomorrow and today, these guys like Mike Kamatonga. I mean, he's not been around for 20 years. Uh, he's made an impact through New Japan. 20 years ago, this is the kind of thing that didn't happen. You didn't get an action figure for that. But the fact that uh, figures to, uh, toy company has been coming out and actively seeking out these stars of, uh, on the rise today, but the big stars of tomorrow, I think is a, is a, is a deal that's worth giving uh, some kudos to because, like I said, it was a, 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 I'm guessing around 11, 12 years I was in the business before I got an action figure. Uh, hats off to him. I mean, how many uh, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Shane Douglas, whoever action figures can you have? Uh, the fact that they're getting these guys, these stars are on the rise, and obviously that's going to lead into uh, one of the next big topics about that big show that happened while I was gone. Uh, but I, I, I got to say, double kudos to, to uh, uh, Figures Toy Company for, for doing that. I, I think they're onto something big. Yeah, they definitely are onto something big. And we published the interview we did with uh, with Chris D from uh, from Figures Toy Company, and he put you over like a million bucks. So it's like you were on the show. You were, we did the triple threat for two weeks without you. We published that interview with him, and he's talking all about Shane. So see, you were on the show for for basically the whole time you were gone. You didn't even realize it. I didn't even miss me. See that just like just. Just like, just like a cog in the wheel. <laughs> well, I mean, now it's you know it's time to get down to the the meat and potatoes of it. Obviously, we're dying to find out how the trip was. Uh, I was following it from the start. I was actually I don't know if they told you I was going back and forth with uh, one of the people behind the social media of uh, of BCW, just asking them you know if they had any pictures they wanted us to share or they had any information. Um, you know, to please pass it along. And the first thing I kid you not that they said to me was, they've barely been here for a day, and my God, we can't get enough of Dominic's stories about his time in in Australia. That was the first thing they said. So tell us about it. How was it? Was it what you thought? Was it what you expected? The fans? Just kind of give us a rundown of how this trip was for uh, not only you, but your, you know, the buddies you had there, and also Dominic. Well, you know, again, all the way around, it was a great, great time. Uh, for me, you know, we'll start with Dominic. You know, for me to have the pleasure of going on a trip to someplace like Australia where Dominic became, you know, pretty much a household name in wrestling and hadn't been there since 1968, that was extra special because I had grown up with Dominic, uh, you know, after training with him and hearing these stories about Australia. But what was odd was he never, ever put himself over in the stories. It was just, okay, you know, I went to Australia and I, you know, was there for a year and had a good run, blah, blah, blah. Never, never to the level of what he really was there. Uh, uh, in fact, Matt Sedonis, 
the uh, the owner of BCW uh, Battle Championship Wrestling that we went over for, he was born well after Dominic was there. Uh, but he said that he grew up with grandparents that were huge uh, WCW Australia fans and huge Dominic Danucci fans. So not just him, but all the fans that were there, they were so excited to see this guy return. Uh, uh, you know, I had multiple people coming back and saying, thank you for bringing him here. I, I never thought I'd get a chance to meet him. Uh, it was really fantastic. And I can tell you, you know, Dominic would never say it, but he was really heartened by that reception. Uh, he very much uh, was appreciative of it and, and had a great time. Uh, you know, it's uh, his generation, they keep that kind of stuff close to vest. And, you know, when we would get back to the hotel or whatever, he would, you know, I could tell by the little grin on his face and just, you know, he was really loving it. And for, for Dominic at this stage, so the fans realize, being around wrestling in any way, being around the boys, being around the fans, being around the business, Dominic loves that. I mean, I I can see a noticeable difference in him when not that he's bad when he's you know not around it. He he, he gets along great for his age, but when he's around it, he, he it's like twenty years drops off of him. You know, he in fact all the all the guys over in Australia on the crew were calling him the Iron Man because they couldn't believe at his age how you know we had some pretty you know heavy trips, uh, but he was really eating it up, and the fans were so enthusiastic to see him and they had great questions for him uh one of the nights uh, uh one of the uh, sons of one of the wrestlers who sadly passed away Sheik Ayub, uh, uh libman Ayub is his name uh came to interview dominic uh for several hours about halfway through the tour uh, brought him some very nice memorabilia uh you know gave him a very nice uh trophy from wcw uh a replica of the uh, WCW IWA belt. Uh, so it was a, it was a very heartwarming for me to see him get that kind of reception. And I figured he would, but to see it happen and, and to see the fans in Australia, uh, a, you know, the first time I went over there in 2000, I, I found the fans to be astounding, uh, very knowledgeable uh, and very, you know, just as good as any wrestling fan I've ever wrestled in front of before. And this tour didn't, failed to deliver the same thing. They, the fans uh, were excited. Uh, they were knowledgeable. It wasn't like, oh, hey, Ray, Dominic, and Shane Douglas, who are they? Uh, these The fans were uh, very well-versed and very uh, appreciative uh, of what they got. And you know, we could tell that, re- you know, hey, you could tell by the reception during the shows, but what Battle Championship Wrestling did for each venue was either the day before or the day after they would have uh, a meet and greet of sorts for the uh, VIPs. And those fans would come and get the opportunity to ask whatever questions, take pictures, get their memorabilia signed, et cetera. And the feedback uh, for the, uh, for the VIP uh, Q and A's that we had, I, I'm, I'm saying Q and A's, Q and A's of sorts. It was like, you know, they, they came to the venues and got a chance to ask their questions and all the things I'd mentioned. But the feedback from them was astounding. Uh, and Dominic, aside from Dominic, you know, getting to see Tajiri and Tanaka, who I don't get to see very often anymore. Uh, and also then Rob Van Dam and Sabu and, and, and Katie Smith and uh, Jeannie. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, you know it, was, uh, it, it was Marlena. 
it was great to, to like Marlena, I, I've seen her multiple times and have always been friendly toward each other, but I ne never had a chance to really get to know her. And on this tour, I had a chance to really get to know her. And, you know, what a sweet girl and, and really fantastic in the ring. You know, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun for me. Uh, hectic you know the hectic two weeks that we were gone we were on the go the vast majority of the time we had a few days off but uh all around I, I can't say enough positive things about it and for battle championship wrestling uh they had some really really good young talent uh and you know just in talking to matt fedonis the owner and the promoter of the uh promotion uh he's an attorney but he's got some really big plans for the promotion and he's putting an awful lot into it, time, energy, and resources. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, it's good to see, like, not only as, as the, uh, you know, we've seen the industry here in America making this big rise with the things in Madison square garden and Chicago and the Indies, but we're seeing the same thing now, uh, in other places around the globe. So this isn't just an aberration that we're seeing here in America. We're seeing this rise in, professional wrestling not sports entertainment in m multiple places around the globe and like i told matt uh while we were there a rising tide rises all ships so it's good to see them doing well down there and putting that kind of resources and energy into it and to see the reception from the fans makes that doubly worth it so all in all a great great tour yeah i mean it looks like a fan base dying and, and let me jump not to step on you no go ahead i almost forgot i want to give a shout out to my new friend from Australia, Brett, uh, he started listening to the podcast while we were there and was telling me that that's where I was getting my feedback about Francine and Mikey. Uh, what a guy, uh, you know, has a wife and a daughter, uh, was, you know, running me and Dominic and Tajiri and Tanaka around, uh, took great, great care of us. And, uh, uh, I told him, you know, I said like, you know, now that we've gotten to know each other, he came up and had drinks with me and Dominic one night in the room. And uh, I said, now that we've gotten to know each other, you're not just somebody that runs us around. I consider you a friend. So shout out to Brett in Australia. Great to get to meet you and can't wait to see you again, buddy. All right. Yeah, Brett, thanks for giving Shane some feedback. I, like I'm sitting here dying to find out if you read my email, if he saw anything, if we're going to come back, you're going to be like, how could you give away my spot on the show to two people? How could you do that? I thought that we we're going to be sweating it out. But now that's really cool. And that's, uh, hey, Brett, that's Chad. Okay, C-H-A-D. Just want to let you know, saying hi. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, it was so cool to see the pictures of you guys. And uh, the, the, the business over there looks like they're doing a great job. I mean, they, they had what looked to be just absolute great production. Uh, the look of their shows is fantastic. Their, their performers looked like wrestlers. They looked like they, uh, they were competent and they looked like they knew what they were doing. And then, like we like we said from before you went there, while we you were gone, and now seeing it now, I mean, just to bring that amount of talent uh, from the the legend status and bring you guys there, I mean, how can you go wrong? What a great mix! And I know for Australia to have their own independence and uh, have their own wrestling going on in Australia, it's so cool to see the the Americans, the international talent, get over there and kind of mix it up and put the shine on those guys because obviously you step in the ring with them or Tanaka steps in the ring with them. It's just going to up their stock. And, and RVD, who I saw, you know, was he was doing wet, really well. And so was Molina. I mean, it just looked like from top yeah. to bottom, everybody had a great, uh, great tour. Yeah, Rob, I tell you, Rob, had, if he's listening out there, I hope the eyes feeling better. He had the, the nastiest looking eye injury I've ever seen from in the ring. His eye 
really, really it, I think it uh, wasn't just a cornea, but like around the eye, the iris and everything. He had uh, some kind of uh, uh, contusions and, and rips and tears on his eye. Oof. I mean, honestly, it looked like somebody stabbed him in the eye. It was it was nasty looking, but uh, he never missed a beat. Didn't miss a show. Uh, kept going on and, and, you know, giving typical Rob Van Dam uh, uh, matches. So uh, it was. It was a lot of fun. Everybody, The match, I didn't get a chance to watch every match like I wanted to because the, the dressing rooms were sort of separated from where the, uh, the, event, the actual arenas were. Uh, but the matches I did see, I was totally impressed with, uh, and Dominic got to watch the vast majority of it as, as, you know, he would come out during intermission and things, but, uh, he was equally impressed. Uh, he said the kids all did fantastic and, and, you know, at, at best they needed some polish. Uh, but that, you know, at that stage of my career, I needed far more than just polish. Uh, uh, so, you know, keep in mind, you mentioned this a second ago, Chad. It's not easy and it's not inexpensive to get a person into and out of Australia. Uh, it's so far away uh, for us, 20, 22 hours going over, 22 hours coming back, or 26 hours coming back. Uh, the flights are thousands and thousands of dollars. So, you know, kudos to, to uh, Battle Championship Wrestling for, you know, laying the assets out to get that many stars in. Uh, the fans in Australia should know that Battle Championship Wrestling is really making the effort to to make a name for themselves, to give the fans what they're looking for. And uh, I predict the Battle Championship Wrestling is going to be on the rise because of that. Uh, that's no small thing. Uh, uh, when, when you start talking dollars and cents, uh, whether it be American dollars or Australian dollars, uh, when you're laying out that kind of expense to bring uh, people in, uh, that's that's a big big plus, and the uh, the Australian wrestling fans uh, will benefit from it, and they show their appreciation for it. So it's fantastic. Hey, I think we all know some promoters that have a hard hard enough time bringing one or two guys that are in the states uh, into their shows. Uh, so I think uh, we can really appreciate the amount of guys they brought into uh, BCW. Amen. <laughs> so then, talk about the whole experience in Australia. You've been there before, but it's been a couple of years. You know, the, it's beautiful from pictures that we've seen. I mean, John's sister lives over in Australia, so he's got a better idea of uh, maybe some of the things than, than I would. But kind of give us the lay of the land on what you did out there in uh, Australia. Well, it's, you know, it's like you, you just mentioned, this, you know, the, the, the obvious, the beautiful uh, nature uh, of Australia. Uh, you know, it's a fantastic, uh, just a beautiful, beautiful country. Uh, but the people are, are equally beautiful. You know, it's uh, they're friendly, uh, respectful, appreciative, uh, thankful, uh, and just enthusiastic. You know, it's, I went and did a seminar there, and I met a lot of great young uh, wrestlers that were incredibly enthusiastic to be there and and to learn uh, the craft that we all took time to learn in our early parts of our career and still learn on a nightly basis. Uh, but the fans. Uh, not just wrestling in front of them, but meeting them and talking with them and, uh, you know, getting a chance to know them a little bit differently than just performing in front of them because we did do those Q&A, those meet and greets of sorts before and after each of the venues. Uh, it gave you a, a more personal feel for the fans that were in the, in the venue either the night before or the night after. Uh, so, you know, but, but that was very much akin to what I expected because that's what I saw when I went there in 2000 and 2004. Uh, just a beautiful country all the way around. And 
it's a kind, it makes it the kind of place that you really look forward to going back to. Uh, like you mentioned, it's been 14 years since I've been there the last time. And uh, the, the main reason, maybe the sole reason I was so excited to get back was because of what I'd seen there in the first and second time that I'd gone to Australia. You know, a beautiful country with beautiful people. And uh, just that makes our job a lot more fun. You know, it's, it's difficult to wrestle in front of hard audiences. Uh, but to wrestle in front of audiences that understand, that get it, that want professional wrestling, that understand professional wrestling, and, you know, blow the lid off the place because they're getting professional wrestling. To somebody like me and the rest of the crew, that's as much appreciation that we can expect and uh, very, very much appreciated. Hey, Shane, before we go any further and we find out the rest of your stories here from Australia, we want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by BlueChew.com. And guys, if you're looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds, get to BlueChew.com because BlueChew.com is the first ever chewable that brings that performance in your bedroom to another level. And you can use the promo code FRANCHISE and pay just $5 shipping and get your first shipment for free when you go to BlueChew com. That's B-L-U-E-C-H-U.com using the promo code FRANCHISE. So what are you going to do? You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. It's got the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works, and it's a no-brainer because the stuff is cheaper than those other two. So head on over to BlueChew.com. That's B-L-U-E-C-H-U.com. Use the promo code FRANCHISE and get your first shipment free and pay just $5 shipping. So bluechew.com franchise promo code. Let's get back into the stories here about Australia and Shane's trip down under and a little more of the Triple Threat podcast. Now, how about the matches itself for you? Now, we kind of got a little laugh between John and myself that uh, the first one that I saw announced for you was Masato Tanaka because we did joke about, hey, wouldn't it be funny if you spent all those days uh, and hours flying over to Australia and you get there and you're booked against Masato Tanaka? But it looks like BCW might have yeah. been listening to the show. So how were the matches? And, uh, you know, how was it getting in the ring there with uh, Mr. Tanaka? Because, like I said, uh, you know, before you left, uh, he, he lays him in there. <laughs> so how was it getting in the ring with oh, Masato okay. Tanaka? Well, that was the first thing Dominic asked when I came back from the ring. And, and uh, I told him, I said, exactly what I love. You know, I, I've always been a fan of uh, not just Tanaka, but, you know, everybody that was on the crew that, that was there. Uh, uh, Sabu, Rob Van Dam, uh, uh, Jerry Tanaka. I've, I've been a fan of these guys for years in their work. And I, I'd only ever wrestled Tanaka one other time in Pittsburgh at the uh, convention center. Uh, and Dominic, oddly enough, was at that show as well. It was one of the few times he came from the ECW show. Uh, so, you know, I love working with Tanaka. Um, very ECW-esque. You know, laying it in. Uh, but also taking it, uh, you know, Tanaka, like much of the Japanese talent, uh, are extraordinarily well-versed in the craft of professional wrestling. And that made it a hell of a lot of fun. You know, uh, yeah, afterwards, yeah, you, you feel it for a couple of days, but that's what professional wrestling is, is supposed to be. Uh, so it was a, a pleasure to get to wrestle Tanaka again. And uh, the first night, I was in a uh, uh, three-way dance with uh, uh, two Australian wrestlers, well, uh, an Australian wrestler and a New Zealand wrestler named Slade and uh, Mad Dog. 
and I found them to both be very proficient in the ring. Uh, and we, we gave a damn good three-way dance. Uh, the second night, I got the, uh, for me, what is a night off? Uh, a mixed tag. Uh, me and Katie uh, Smith got to wrestle against uh, uh, Vixen and Mad Dog again. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I was damn surprised. Uh, I had already been in the room with Mad Dog and knew what he could do. But Vixen really surprised me, as did Katie Smith, that they, that they were really able to get in there and, you know, sort of hang. You know, they, they did a, a fantastic job. Uh, the third night of the third match, of course, was with Tanaka, and we've just spoken about that. And the last night, I got to wrestle uh, the New Zealand wrestler Slade, big guy, about 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, uh, a second time. Uh, and, you know, what stood out about that match was the, the ring ropes were pretty low. Uh, you know, about, I'd say if not a foot low, pretty close to that, you know, so a guy that tall, you know, the ropes were low for me. I can imagine how low they must've been for a guy that height, but, uh, you know, very, very solid in the ring. Uh, so, you know, for me all around, uh, all four matches, I had a blast in, uh, but pushed a little bit and, and which I really like at, at this stage. And uh, had a great time. It was, it was four fun matches and uh, four matches that I thought were very well received by the fans. And for good reason. They were damn good matches. Now, Shane, we usually do AFA Ask Franchise Anything later on. And we're going to do it again later. But since we're talking about Australian wrestling over there, I thought this was a great question. that just popped up not that long ago on Twitter. And I figure this is a perfect point to ask you. It's from John Means, great listener. From Twitter, he said, welcome back. Is there a difference between the fan base here versus Australia? Very good question. Yeah, uh, very similar. Uh, really, you know, which I don't know why it surprises me. But, you know, when you stop and think that we're almost exactly on the opposite side of the planet. Uh, we're northern hemisphere. They're southern, almost on diametric opposite ends of the planet. You know, and so being that far away, you sort of feel like you're in a different world just getting there and coming back from there because it is so far uh, that for some reason, in the, even in this day and age of instant communications, you think that like, there's no way they're going to know everything and, you know, be as well-versed as, as American fans. And they are, uh, like I said about Dominic earlier, that they knew that much about Dominic's career. And when the Q and a portion, uh, you know, they would bring us out individually and Dominic would typically go out first. Uh, it wasn't like there was, you know, hey, so how do you like us? It wasn't generic questions. They were very in-depth questions being asked of Dominic, specifically about his career in Australia. Uh, so clearly the fans there, most of which weren't even alive when Dominic had been there last, had done their homework, uh, whether on YouTube or, uh, uh, you know, the network or uh, through periodicals or magazines. They had clearly done their homework and were very well versed. Uh, uh, or, you know, uh, off the top rope, uh, a documentary that was done about WCW, but that the fans knew that specific information about Dominic and his career as pertains to Australia, I think was representative of what we saw across the board. Uh, you know, the questions that I heard Rob and Sabu and Jeannie and Katie uh, get asked, Tanaka and Tajiri typically didn't participate because they, we didn't have a, an interpreter there and their English is sort of uh, not as good, uh, you know, would have you know, been delayed. They didn't feel comfortable 
going on, I think, going on uh, stage and taking questions. But uh, I'm sure if they had, the questions would have been as apropos to them as they were to me, to Dominic, uh, uh, to Rob and, and Sabu, Jeannie and, and Katie. Uh, so I'd say very, very reminiscent of the fans that I know from here in America, uh, professional wrestling fans. I love that sometimes you go to a different market or a different country and you get just a lot of passion and the fans can generally yeah. be louder. Like I feel like sometimes the States, sometimes some certain areas, some of the fans are a little too spoiled. You know what I mean? Hmm. Well, it's, it's, there's so much of it, especially now with the, you know, like I said earlier about the, the, uh, the rise of the Indies, you know, it wasn't too long ago that Indies were having a hard time. You know, you, if you drew a hundred fans at some of those shows, you were doing well. Now we're seeing indies across the board. If they don't sell out, they come damn close and a real enthusiasm back in the fans. And I think that in large part is because we've seen this monopolization by and large in our industry by some guy in Connecticut and, uh, hmm. uh and, and the overabundance of sports entertainment, which clearly professional wrestling fans here, and around the world have, have grown weary of. And we talked before about beating that dead horse again, how many lapsed and casual fans there are in every marketplace around the world versus those that still actually watch on a week-to-week basis. Clearly, the wrestling fans around the globe, Australia included, America included, are speaking loudly and clearly that they've grown tired of sports entertainment and are looking for something else. Were you able to, you know, speaking of all that, obviously, we're going to talk about All In, which you missed when you were over there in Australia. Cody Rhodes wins the NWA World Title. 11,263 fans filled the arena. You know, pretty much, by and large, Mikey gave it an A+. plus. You know, he, he put on his Dean Douglas cap. He gave it an A+. plus. He saw most <laughs> of the show. What about you? Uh, did Were you able to catch any of it, see any of it, maybe look online and see, you know, the thousands upon thousands of people tweeting about it? No, I, so just to clarify, when I, I was there, the access, it was the first time uh, I've been to back-to-back-to-back hotels, none of which had business centers in them or computer access. Uh, I, I was able to get on three times while I was there. Uh, but it was arduous to do so. Uh, in, in, in Melbourne, I had to walk uh, several miles or kilometers to a public library to get online. And when you got there, you got the uh, being a visitor, you had to sort of log in in like a raffle and wait. And the computer would tell you, your com- computer 17 will be ready in 36 minutes. And But being a visitor, you were only allowed to stay on for 20 minutes. And uh, Dominic had lost uh, his... Uh, his pouch while we were there and that took up the first day I was on most of the 20 minutes of getting a hold of the daughter to make sure she canceled his credit cards and uh, alerted the Pennsylvania uh, DMV etc the second and third time were both in an internet cafe in Sydney and in Adelaide we didn't get a chance at all to get online there was nothing available so made it pretty difficult but I did hear fans talking about it and several of the wrestlers were talking about the all-in show and uh the feedback I got was highly positive. I was thrilled to hear that Cody Rhodes won the NWA belt. Nothing against Nick, but uh, you know, obviously the connection that that belt has to his father, the late Dusty Rhodes. Um, and just thrilled as, as I was when I first heard them selling out the venue. Just 
incredibly proud of them that they were able to, that they had the balls to do it and that they were so successful with it. It beckons back to what I said a minute ago, that professional wrestling is on the rise in America as much as the rest of the world. And wrestling fans are speaking as loudly and clearly as they can. They've had enough of sports entertainment and they're looking for something else. Otherwise, those kids would have taken a bath on that show. The fact that they didn't, those 11,000 uh, some hundred odd uh, fans that were there and the ones that were there to partake in the, uh, in the convention that uh, uh, surrounded the all-in event tells you that professional wrestling is on the rise. And so the fact that they were able to prove that and do it with their own money, uh, you know, double, you know, respectful golf applaud to the, to the, uh, to the guys for doing that and for being so successful. Just a fantastic job. Well done. Now, the biggest reaction tonight from what I've seen, and I've pretty much seen almost the whole show, was Cody winning it. Obviously, it was a, it was a great moment. And it's funny, leading up to the crowd, you know, into it, into it, kind of goes docile a little bit, into it, into it. But the finish, somebody online has a great video of, of, a, of a far shot. I think it was maybe Sports Illustrated, but somebody has a great uh, shot online. It's dull. almost You can almost see the whole crowd, and, and they're down. And then Cody goes for the pin, one, two, three, and everybody gets up and, and explodes and implodes. So it's like they, it wasn't the main event, but maybe it could have been or should have been the main event. Technically, I, I consider it the main event. It, it just wasn't on last, per se, but it got a great reaction. Yeah. Do you think that sometimes it's better going after the world title and it's not the last? You know, is it that weird, maybe, that the crowd will get that great reaction and will pop? They're not as tired at that point, maybe in the middle of the show, as opposed to later on in the night? Well, there's, there's a, professional wrestling fans, though, there's no such thing as getting tired on a great event. So mm. uh, I remember the, uh, you know, the 97 uh, November to remember uh, the same type of thing. You know, the, you know, the, the match where Bam Bam beats the dog shit out of me for all that time. And at the end, uh, you see those 5,000, couple hundred people explode at once. It makes an incredible, uh, indelible, uh, uh, impact on television or, or, or you know, on screen. So, uh, you know, in doing that, I, again, I'm not seeing this, so I can't speak to the quality of the matches, but, you know, in an event like that, that's that big, you know, sometimes, especially in today's uh, day and age where the fans are, have gotten used to the, the spot monkey type of matches, uh, they expect everything to be a pop, a pop, a pop. So if the fans aren't on their feet and exploding every second of the match, uh, so, some people take that as being mother well, uninterested. Uh, I'd be interested to go back and watch, and maybe we can talk about it next week once I've had a chance to do that. Uh, to see are the fans during that time, while they seemingly aren't very loud, are they paying attention to the match? Are they are they intently watching the match? That would be my guess as to what was happening there, especially to get that kind of a pop at the finish. Uh, not everything has to be, you know, a huge pop. Uh, you know, you go back and watch the all-time greats, Harley Race, uh, Bruno Sammartino, Ric Flair, Rick Steamboat, Jake Roberts, on and on and on. In their matches, there were a lot of times when the fans were sitting in intently watching before they built to that big pop. Uh, that's, calling, that's called psychology. And, uh, you know, it, unfortunately, so many kids today think that they have to rely on the backflips and the flippity, what I call the flippity flops and you know, the non-selling, because they think if I'm down selling, I'm, I look weak. Selling is not weak. You know, uh, 
I've seen Muhammad Ali get knocked down how many times in his career and get up and win. Uh, I've seen every NFL team except one lose a game or two or three or more and still go on and win the Super Bowl. Uh, losing or being down doesn't mean you're out of it. That's what sports entertainment has sort of educated the audience to. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, somebody can lose and come back next week and win. Uh, that's what brings you into your seat. They're not knowing, they're not being certain what we in the business call the swerve. That's what brings you to the edge of your seat. And I'm guessing based on what I heard in Australia and what I'm hearing now, that the all in event had a lot of that, uh, you know, that just because the fans aren't jumping up and down and shooting off fireworks doesn't mean they're disinterested. Uh, but I, again, I want to reserve, you know, my final comment on the show until I've actually had a chance to see it. I'm basing everything I'm saying right now off of what you're saying and what I've, heard the fans and the, and the boys in Australia talk about, uh, but and, and full disclosure, I hadn't had yet had the chance to watch the event. So just the fact that it did so well, I'm thrilled about. Mikey actually took to grading like, and we call it, you know, Dean Douglas grading it. He took to it better than you. Usually you give a hard time about anything Dean Douglas related. <laughs> well, look, it, it's, uh, the one thing I've learned after this many years in the business is you can't run away from stuff. I mean, there's an awful lot of dudes pictures out there that I'm not real proud of. Uh, but you know, it's part of your heritage and part of your history. Uh, the one thing I always tell people about the the dudes, uh, that I am proud of, it's the first time I ever made money in my career. And as much as I would like to forget the Dean character, not because of the character or the way I portrayed it, but because it represents the worst six months of my career working for, what some would consider the NFL of our industry uh, uh, convinced me then and there in the very first weeks that I was there that I'd made a mistake and it was time to get out of there. But I'm never going to, you know, uh, be able to erase the Dean character, but I can always point out everything that was done wrong with that character as we discuss it and uh, refuse to ever sign Dean Douglas uh, merchandise as Dean Douglas because Dean Douglas is something that some Irish guy owns. Uh, I own the franchise. Now, speaking of making money with the dynamic dudes, I saw Jim Cornette over the weekend at the Keystone Comic Con in Philly, of of all places, and he mentioned the dudes, and he mentioned a great story in Philly and the the Johnny Sucks Dick story. (laughs) I just thought that was so funny. And he basically... You know, he's, he's doing his uh, corner experience. And he says to the crowd, you know, I feel sorry for Shane. Athletic, can actually skateboard a little bit or at least pretend he could because he was athletic. Great worker. John, the other, on the other part, he goes, you know, you could do two things. You'd be a heel, you'd be a face, and he could do neither. So, you know, he just was making fun of uh, wow. Johnny Ace and saying, yeah, oh, yeah, it was great. So he's ripping on Johnny Ace and stuff. But then he, like, kind of sidebars, like, but Shane was great. So I just, I just thought that was funny that uh, – you know, he uh, was not a fan of the dynamic dudes. Yeah, well, I, for obvious reasons, nor were many other people. It was, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Eddie Gilbert, though, I, I, I got to give him credit. You know, everybody knows how much of respect and love I have for Eddie because he gave him my break. But I also always have and always will consider Eddie a great talent and a great mind for the business. Eddie Gilbert uh, actually was the first to float the idea of Shane Douglas as a heel. Uh, he, he floated the idea to Johnny and I about turning us heel. You know, as soon as we started seeing the feedback from the audience, and, you know, I, honestly, I think that may have worked. You know, it, it, 
it clear it was clear that once they Jim Heard tagged the dynamic dude's name onto uh, the tag team. Um, for those that weren't here on the earlier uh, episodes, uh, we actually debuted at Music City Showdown the night that uh, Terry Funk put Ric Flair to the table on a pile driver. We debuted that night working with the Samoan SWAT team as Johnny and Shane, the next generation of the new generation. I, I've never taken the time to go back and look, but it was one of those, the next generation of the new generation, and had a really enthusiastic feedback. And it was the very next morning, leaving the hotel to go to the airport in the hotel van that Eddie Gilbert told us the new name that Jim Hurd had come up with, the Dynamic Dudes. And uh, without droning on the story and boring everybody again, it was based on some study that, that supposedly, some supposed study that CNN or Time, well, it wasn't Time Warner then, or TBS or somebody did in California uh, with what was the big lingo that year. And the top two words were dude and dynamic. And so Jim Hurd in his infinite Pizza Hut wisdom decided, I'll take the first word and the second word and I'll put them together. Thank God it wasn't cock-sucking assholes or something. But, you know, but Eddie Gilbert was the first to see the heel potential in, in me. And I think because of that, the tag team, and, you know, it's funny that just not, not too many years later, uh, Bill, uh, 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 telling Bill Watts telling me, you know, that Saturday that I got called at the CNN center, you know, they looked me straight in the eye and he said, has anybody ever told you you're a stone cold heel? And, uh, you know, I found it sort of ironic, you know, because Eddie learned a great deal under Bill, uh, working as an assistant booker and pretty much largely the the uh, the booker because as he was Bill's assistant, Bill wasn't doing much booking. He was working on trying to take UWF National against uh, against the WWE and ended up overspending doing that, and subsequently had to sell the company. But um, yeah, Eddie Gilbert was the first to do that, and I knew I knew Jim wasn't a big fan of it at the time. Uh, you know, he confided as much in me and, and he really didn't make a big attempt to conceal that. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, funny how that story always comes up around Philadelphia about the, uh, the big pink and black sign in the third level at the, uh, civic center. <laughs> <laughs> he was saying that was like, uh, the perfect market for the midnight express and, and they were just oh. really took to them. Yeah. They loved the heels and they loved the good workers. Yeah, they, they, they definitely was a it was definitely a heels town as I would find out later with the franchise uh, character. But you know, the plus the Midnight Express, you know, one of the greatest tag teams of all time, right? I mean, you know, great workers, uh, you know, fantastic manager, a heel manager that could talk his ass off. Uh, but you know, like one of the unheralded things about that tag team is you know what Bobby Eaton was in that team. You know, I've often talked about Bobby, and I'll do it again now. Uh, one of the best, certainly top five and possibly top three workers I'd ever been in the ring with. And, you know, most people don't put Bobby Eaton on that level when they start talking about great wrestlers. I think in part because he was in a tag team. But, you know, Bobby would go out on a night-to-night basis and rarely call the same, never call the same exact match, and only rarely call the same a spot or two similar as last night or the night before. Uh, he called it on the fly and was so astounding in his movements that he literally talked with his body. 
you know, he would call it 25, 30-minute spot, and I'm not exaggerating. And he'd Irish whoop into the ropes, and you had no idea what – you're still trying to figure out what he just said, and you go through this 25, 30-minute spot largely based on the way he moved with his body. Um, an astounding worker. I always said that if, if Bobby Eaton had the gift of gab like Flair had or other great talkers and had didn't have the body that he had, that he would have been, by a large stretch, the top guy on the card for a long time. Bobby Eaton was a phenomenal worker and much unheralded phenomenal worker. Bobby Eaton is uh, arguably definitely one of the, the, the best workers ever. I just absolutely love Bobby Eaton. Was so, he's so good. Him and, and yep. Arn Anderson, two of the most underrated, like best workers ever i mean just watch anything they do and everything they do is just so well done but if i could change topics just a little bit here and on the show two weeks ago your girl francine she opened up about some body shaming that uh, dave Meltzer had said back in the day it was covered by uh, sean ross sap and, and fightful.com they had a whole article about it francine basically was going on Twitter saying, you know, did you guys body shame me? And then she actually pulled up the observer and the stuff that David said. So it's like, it was extra bad. Then she pulled up some stuff from the torch that Bruce, Bruce uh, Mitchell had said, uh, Bruce apparently, uh, or it seemed like genuinely apologized for it. I guess he was almost embarrassed about it. But he, what he said, kind of went a little too personal, a little too, Oh, she's skinny and she's anorexic and like, you know, stupid shit that, that some of them say and just kind of make up and, or just, kind of dreaming that, that that's true when it's not true. But did you see that at all with her, that she struggled with some of these comments? Because it seemed like it did really piss her off or it did really bother her. Uh, at the time, she she would rarely refer to it. Um, but I, I knew, I didn't want to discuss it with it because it didn't seem like she wanted to bring it up too much in the open. But I could tell that there were times that, you know, she was having body issues, you know, now to full disclosure, everybody knows our, our connection and history together, but uh, am I the only one? I, I'm, I'm sure I'm not, but I'm, I'm obviously asking rhetorically. Every night I walked in the room, Francis, I thought she was smoking hot <laughs> and, <laughs> and delivered the goods. Uh, you know, so for anybody to make those kind of comments, you know, we're completely off base. Uh, clearly, out of touch in today's Me Too world, right? Uh, but I, I will caution with one thing, and this is by no means, uh, you know, an explanation or a uh, mea culpa for anybody. But I have often said before in the past, it's impossible to look in 2018 uh, or at 2018 with 1993 eyes. You know, each time period is specific to the time period. Um, I'm glad to hear uh, that Mitchell apologized and, and uh, was remorseful for the comments he made then. That's the appropriate thing to do. Um, you know, none of us can go back in a magic time machine and, and change things that we've said or done, but you can be genuinely remorseful and apologetic to those things that you may have done that were not so well received today, but in the past. Uh, you know, I, 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 I do remember Francine, in fact, uh, when she had the breast augmentation, uh, I was very much against that because I, I just I didn't see the need for it. To be honest with you, I, I thought 
Francine was a, a beautiful girl and, and like I said, smoking hot. And I, I, I didn't want to see her hurting like that. Um, I, I didn't, I, I didn't see it, you know, as I looked at her and I, and I looked at her on a nightly basis uh, for extended periods of time. And I, you know, much like when you see, a, you know, a girl that's anorexic or something and, you know, it's so obvious to everybody on the outside looking in, but in that girl's head, you know, she's clearly hurting, you know, body dysmorphia. Um, and, you know, literally starving themselves to death. I never saw that in Francine, but I did see the pain oftentimes uh, when comments like that were made. And, you know, I would try, not just me, but others would say, ah, blow it off, what the hell do they matter anyway, that kind of thing. It's easier for us to say when she's out there in her mind, as an object of, of uh, uh, that's meant to portray beautiful and you know, et cetera. And she hears a voice or two saying something counter to that. Um, it hurt me to see Francine hurting like that. Uh, but she, to be clear, she kept a, a strong upper lip. She would talk to me about that rarely, never out in the open with multiple guys in the room. Uh, I don't know if she spoke to others about it, but, I know she only spoke to me about it in confidence on a very few occasions. And, uh, you know, but I, I did know that it was, that it was hurting her. And I hated seeing that because, you know, she was damn good at her job. And like I've said before, to me, I, I don't see people as fat or thin, uh, taller, short, black or white. I see them as proficient at the job in the ring because that's what we're there to do. And I always saw Francine, above and beyond in the proficiency department. And so, you know, the rest of it was perfunctory to me, but I do know that, that she did see and take a lot of that personally. And, you know, I would point out, you know, things that are like when the crowd would chant little dick to me or something, you know, you got, he's going to be able to take it and blow it off. You know, it's in one ear and out the other. Um, but, you know, I had a lot more experience in the business and I could see how somebody that was thrust pretty quickly in her career into that top spot, how it would, she didn't have time to, to, to grow that thick skin. You know, uh, like I had 11, 12 years at that point, you know, she had a matter of a year, year and a half and was thrown into that spot. I can tell you clearly at a year and a half in the industry, I would not have been able to take that either. So, you know, I, I'm proud of her that she weathered it the way she did. Uh, and, you know, saddened that, that it, you know, her to the degree that it did. You know, I, I would wish that those that said those things would just man up and admit that they were wrong and and and, and apologize for. Them. I'm glad, like you said about Bruce Mitchell, that he he already has. But I would wish that others that had done that or said those things would do the same thing. Take the high road and do the right thing. It's interesting. Mikey too had some comments about, about some body shimming that they would say, not necessarily those two guys, but other uh, writers and stuff would say, you know, he wore a shirt because he has the worst physique in wrestling and he's out of shape and, you know, just kind of ripping on Mikey too. So he had some of those weird, you know, wrestling media kind of attacking you for your body moments as well. Yeah. To and, and totally missing the point. Uh, that was Mikey's character was the, to be the kid that didn't look like a wrestler that came in there and was able to win championships doing it. I mean, Take a look around that dressing room. There were others that weren't exactly uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, <laughs> you know, me included at the beginning of my run as the franchise. Uh, you know, I, I 
again, in 2018, it's hindsight is always 2020. <clears throat> and we can always say, boy, I should have, could have, would have, if I'd only known. Um, you know, but now, like in, in, in both those cases, Francine and Mikey's both, now that the people that made those comments are aware or should be aware that what they said then did do damage, did hurt those people that they were talking about. Uh, you know, my dad used to always tell me, someone you're wrong, you know you're wrong. Not you think you're wrong. You know you're wrong. You man up and you admit you're wrong. Um, you know, I would I would hope that those people that, that made those comments would would like I said, take that high road and, and, uh, you know, nobody should be made to feel lesser because of something that's really not out of their control. So I guess on the flip side, had Mikey taken a whole bunch of steroids and growth hormone and gotten really muscled up and endangered his health with those fan, with those people that said those things then have been happier and who knows what health, uh, uh impact that would have had on Mikey, but who, what, what's the matter if he has a heart attack and dies or has high blood pressure now and whatever. You see what I'm saying? You know, it's just, uh, you know, when you start taking that, I, I've always been one. My mother used to always tell me growing up, you know, take a look in the mirror. You know, if you're going to start throwing criticism around, take a look in the mirror. Uh, you know, so, you know, I, you know, I think it's time for people, especially in 2018 with all these movements going on and all these revolutions going on, right? That if you said something then that you know and you've heard somebody say impacted them in a negative way, just do the right thing and man up and apologize. You know, it's doesn't hurt. It's not painful. Uh, and it's the right thing to do. You know what else Mikey mentioned, which I found to be really interesting is that he still feels the effects of that to this day and talking about how, and it really, it, it made me feel very, very bad for him that he talks about when he takes pictures with fans. Now he tries to cover up his face and, you know, he has a, has a big complex about the way he looks. And, he, you know, and like I said earlier in the show, he jokes about himself. He calls himself, you know, like the son of King Kong Bundy and all this kind of stuff. And, and whereas if you know Mikey, you can laugh at it. But on the surface, you know, that, that's very – that's sad because he should have nothing to worry about. You know, he's not going out there and having uh, the matches that he was having when he was in his 20s. So he doesn't need to worry about that anymore. He's retired now. But – the fact that those words have such long-lasting effects, it's crazy because we like to think of you guys and wrestlers and performers and commentators and anybody involved in the business that you guys have thick skin, you're untouchable. But at the end of the day, everybody is just a person and their feelings get hurt too. Absolutely. And probably a better way to look at this is, uh, and not to do too much psychobabble on this, but uh, the better way to look at this is that Mikey Whipwreck played his role perfectly in ECW. He drew money. Uh, he drew fans. Uh, so for somebody sitting in the stands uh, or behind a typewriter or a word processor, uh, a computer, and take those shots, uh, I'd like to see pictures of them, uh, you know, to get out there, have the balls to get out there since they're sitting and talking about what this guy's having the balls to do. Uh, get out there and let's see what you can do. Let's see how much money you can draw. Uh, but again, moving forward, hopefully hearing people like Mikey, you know, noteworthy people like Mikey and Francine that made a huge impact on the industry. Maybe think twice before you say something similar about some other young talent that's out there and the impact you're having on that person. Um, you know, cause it's, it's, I, you know, I can already hear people saying, I was, you, you, you make criticisms. My criticisms of people are based off of what I'm seeing in the ring. 
you know, I don't call people fat or thin or ugly or short or whatever. I, I, I talk about what their abilities are in the ring and try to point that out. If I have said something in the past uh, that was taken in a wrong way or whatever, I, I'll be the, pointed out to me, I'll be the first to apologize because it never meant that way. Uh, but you're right. I mean, we're now finding out, you know, back when I was a kid, everybody made fun of everybody. Uh, that was just the way the world was. And you grew a thick skin because of it. But now that we know that uh, people are a lot more sensitive to that kind of thing, especially, you know, back then you'd get it in the schoolyard or on the school bus or something, you know, you know, playing ball or something. Now somebody posts something online and thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people can read that. Uh, you know, it takes on a little bit grander, uh, little, little more grandiosity. And, you know, so I think because of that, we should all be a lot more careful in the acerbic words that we use, uh, throwing them around because it's not benign. Clearly, we hear Francine and Mikey, two close friends of mine, talking about the impact uh, that that's had on them and still has on them. Uh, it pains me to hear that for them. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can make somebody else think twice before uh, doing similar things now moving forward. Now it is time again for the official AFAS franchise anything. <laughs> and a very loyal follower on Twitter, David Levinston, asked if you ever worked a program with Bam Bam Terry Gordy. Not Bam Bam Bigelow, but Bam Bam Terry Gordy. I know, obviously, he was in ECW for a brief period of time, and obviously UWF as well. Have you ever, maybe not had a program with him, but have you ever even wrestled Terry Gordy? I, I'm, I'm scratching my brain right now because I got stumped on the Bam Bam Bigelow thing. Uh, I don't believe I ever worked a match with Bam Bam uh, Gordy. Uh, they were, when I, you know, when I went to the UWF, they were the top of the top, the Freebirds. Uh, they worked all the top slots. Uh, I, I suppose it's possible that I may have wrestled them in a house or somewhere or with them in a, in a match. I don't recall off the top of my head. I sure would have loved to uh, because, you know, I, I always talk about that match in ECW was Bam, the, the match of the Bam Bams. Uh, you know, this was after he had technically died on a flight going to Japan and was deprived of oxygen to his brain for some time. And uh, it was noticeable. The first time I saw him after that, it was very, in fact, when he came to ECW that time, it was very noticeable. Yet when he got in that ring and that bell rang, it was like somebody hit autopilot. Uh, it was Bam Bam Gordy again. And uh, he was such an amazing in-ring uh, talent. You know, just for a big guy moving around like that, you know, you know there's a handful of guys in the, in the history of the industry that moved that well. Vader, Bam Bam Bigelow, uh, uh, Gordy. You know, there, there's not many that size that moved around and had that, that charisma. And, and that was something that Gordy oozed uh, was the charisma. You know, he would go out there and, you know, he looked like a big, you know, fluffy teddy bear. And he'd get in that ring and, boy, he believed he could move mountains. Uh, because he was so damn good. Um, I didn't, I, off the top of my head, I don't recall having ever worked him. If I, like I said, if I did, it was in a, a, a house show someplace and it was not a notable uh, match on the card, uh, but I don't recall having ever worked him. Or I know I never worked a program with him or them, the Freebirds, uh, but I sure as hell would have loved to. Uh, 
because uh, I'm a total mark for, for Terry Gordy. Then, I mean, come on, the fantasy warfare then is off the charts, the free birds versus the triple threat. Line those uh, oh, yeah. line those six guys up. That's a hell of a fight. Oh, we did. We we we'd have we nothing if all else aside, we would damn sure have fun. That's for sure. Oh, that's for damn sure. Just like we have had fun getting back in the swing of things here with you, Shane. We're we're so happy you're back. I forgot I wanted to wish you a very happy uh, Constitution Day here in the states. Just to give. <laughs> just to give you more of that Americana feel and to uh, kind of get you back on track. But uh, this episode flew by, and uh, in the coming weeks we got some really cool stuff, uh, including uh, the possibility of a very special guest joining us in the very near future, uh, as well as some other really cool promos coming with Figures Toy Company. And, of course, we welcome in Blue Chew for uh, this episode coming up, and then we've got some other stuff in the works with them as well. So a lot in the pipeline for the Triple Threat Podcast, but not to look past the fact that we will all be together on September 29th in Feasterville, Pennsylvania, right. the Icons of Wrestling and their Battleground uh, Wrestling event as well at night. We will be there, the three of us, the Triple Threat Podcast together and throwing in a little wrinkle as Francine will also be in the building that night as well. So we're going to get you back and uh, rolling in a major way here back in the States as we uh, we tackle Feasterville, Pennsylvania on the 29th of September. Looking forward to it. I've got it after, I think, six or seven weeks uh, consecutive on the road, including Australia. I've got a very rare weekend off this weekend coming, so this is the perfect weekend to get home and take some time off. Uh, I, I won't be off. It will be spending getting everything caught up that I missed while I was gone, but... Uh, uh, really looking forward to Feasterville and the Icons convention. And like you said, Francine being there and everybody getting back together. It's been a while since I've seen you guys in person. And uh, it'd be, be good to see Fran and thank her in person for uh, filling in for me while I was gone. I, I felt terrible over it because I knew, you know, we had discussed before leaving, you know, making the connection. It seems crazy in today's world that you wouldn't be able to in one way or another. Uh, over there and and the, the the way the schedule was laid out and we moved from a to b to c uh and then the difficulty getting online made it damn near impossible uh to be able to do so thankful to francine and mikey both and stepping in and uh filling my place for uh, episode 62 and 63 but the franchise is back now and like you said we have a huge special guest coming and you're going to have to tune in to see who it is but We'll be uh, very surprised and happy to hear who it is, and I'm sure we're going to be able to shoot the shit in depth when when we finally get him on. That's right. And before we wrap it up, I just want to mention that, like I said, Figures Toy Company, head on over to figurestoycompany.com as well as wrestlingsuperstore.com and check out the franchise Shane Douglas action figure as well as some of the other greats of the Legends of Professional Wrestling line, including Mikey Whipwreck and the Blue Meanie and Just Incredible and New Jack and Jerry Lynn and a lot of the other amazing ones. How about James E. Cornette? You can go grab him in a tennis racket, and you can have a little bit of fun. But then also, we're going to have our Tamatanga promotion coming soon. In the next two weeks, you'll be able to have that opportunity to win that figure by sharing the hashtag franchise FTC, as well as following the pages of the Triple Threat Podcast and Fingers Toy Company on Twitter. So on Twitter for us, it's at the3threatpod. For John, it's at Two Man Power Trip. For me, it's at Wrestling Pal. Uh, and Shane, I mean, I don't want to give out your Twitter address at this point because I think the computer might break 
whenever you log on. So uh, you know how to find Shane. It's a franchise SD. Uh, his Twitter is literally, I think it might even uh, reset at this point. It's been so long. Yeah. Do you miss it, Shane? Are you missing the uh, the interactions? I, I really am. It's just I've been, you know, with, uh, without getting into details, just really, really busily working on, on, on something I've been working on for a while. And uh, that's taken most of my attention. My boys have taken uh the rest of it and then you know i try to squeeze some work in here and there like on the road uh but yeah i do miss it i miss the interaction i miss being able to to get back to the fans and apologize everybody for not being on there but i'm going to make the best effort to get back on there soon and and try to do the best i can to catch up if my computer doesn't blow up (laughs) i log back on or or if i'm even still on there if not i'll just i'll I'll just you know create a new uh, uh a new handle and come back with uh you know, jerk off or something, but, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward <laughs> to getting back on there and for the fans that, uh, uh, that have been on there and, and awaiting responses, I promise uh, to get to, to everything as soon as I can. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be great. I'd love to have a camera on you for that, but also if you want more on the triple threat podcast, you can go to TMPT of wrestling.com access the triple threat podcast page on there and you'll get episode downloads as well as YouTube clips and uh, kind of the best of the show all in one little package. And you'll also find on there the link to Shane's ProWrestlingTees.com store, which is ProWrestlingTees.com slash franchise SD. And you can choose from one of the many, many, many great shirts that we have to offer on that page. And, uh, hey, if you want to represent in a big way, you grab that action figure, you grab that T-shirt, you'll order some Blue Chew, and uh, you'll have yourself one hell of a night. <laughs> and you'll wait for the Francine hey, figure. <laughs> Time out, time out. You gotta, you gotta rephrase that. Song. <laughs> grab your action figure, grab your franchise T-shirt, your Bluetooth, and your woman or your man, and go have fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, with all that being said, you got a weekend off, Shane, which you desperately need some time to uh, to play catch up in the franchise world. But please do what you do best. Take us out in only the way that the franchise can. And possibly have this very special guest coming in the next uh, couple of shows here. Hey, uh, first of all, big, big thank you to Australia. I had a great time with Dominic and meeting everybody there and, and performing for everybody there. We look forward to coming back. Thank you to Battle Championship Wrestling, Matt Padanos, an incredible crew of guys over there, including Helmet and his father Peter uh, and his brother Nick. Uh, also to Brett again. Way to go, buddy. Uh, but glad to be back here in America and back to the States. Uh, working on uh, some big things and, and looking forward to talking about that here very soon. Uh, but 64 big episodes out of the way, 65 coming along with a very special guest. And no matter how many times you ask me on Twitter, I won't reveal it, but can I assure you, you're going to really, really appreciate it. After Feasterville, I do want to make mention of this. After Feasterville, October 6th, I'll be heading down to New Orleans uh, to face Luke Cox one more time. Uh, take care of that wrap it up and put it put it back away because I'm tired of talking and dealing with this for years now. So uh, looking forward to episode 65 next week. Make sure you tune in or get your ass franchised. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.